Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today's discussion is going to be about forgiveness. But before we start, let's say a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us during this podcast. With that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for another beautiful day. Lord, help us to learn all that you want us to learn from your holy word and from your servant, the spirit of prophecy. Lord, we thank you for the lessons that you've given us. We thank you for the encouragement that you have given us in your word as well. There are so many wonderful verses in there to uplift and encourage and get us through this sin-sick world. Please be with all the listeners and be with me as we study your word more and become more like you. Help us to be ready for that heavenly kingdom which is soon to come upon us. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so one of the most amazing things about salvation and also one of the biggest reasons that Jesus came down to this earth is so that we would have forgiveness of sins. Yet sometimes it's hard for us to accept the forgiveness given to us. And we dwell on all the bad things that we have done in our life. It's an easy thing to do. It can happen to anyone. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Forgiveness for ourselves is a lot harder to do than to accept forgiveness from somebody else. If Satan can trap us in this downward spiral of doubting and depression of past sins, then we cannot focus on helping other people in our life and also on our walk with Christ. We can't further our walk with Christ if we're always in this depressive state of mind. So I guess the biggest question people have is how can we know that our sins have been forgiven and we no longer have to worry about our past deeds? And we all have a past. We all have things that we don't want anyone to know and we all have those things that we regret doing, whether it's something small or something huge. And do we get some magical feeling that all our past wrongs are now forgiven? Or is it much easier than that? There are many, many examples in the Bible about forgiveness. And one of the reasons that the Lord had those bad things written in the Bible is because he wanted the future generations to know that he's willing and able to forgive abundantly. Look at the story of King David, for example. He committed adultery and then he had the husband been killed in battle to cover up his deeds. Yet the Lord forgave him as he went before the Lord with earnest supplication. And he wasn't just sorry because he got caught. No, he was truly repentant for the wrong that he had done. And you can read the full story for yourself. It starts in 2 Samuel 11. And he had to suffer the consequences of his actions as well because of the choices that he made. This passage in David's history is full of significance to the repenting sinner. It is one of the most forcible illustrations given us of the struggles and temptations of humanity and of genuine repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Through all the ages, it has proved a source of encouragement to souls that, having fallen into sin, were struggling under the burden of their guilt. Thousands of the children of God who have been betrayed into sin, when ready to give up to despair, have remembered how David's sincere repentance and confession were accepted by God. Notwithstanding, he suffered for his transgression, and they also have taken courage to repent and try again to walk in the way of God's commandments. Whoever under the reproof of God will humble the soul with confession and repentance, as did David, may be sure that there is hope for him. Whoever will in faith accept God's promise will find pardon. The Lord will never cast away one truly repentant soul. 
He has given this promise, Let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Isaiah 27, 5. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isaiah 55, 7. And that's taken from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 726, paragraph 3 and 4. Which also brings me to another question. What is the difference between true repentance or just being sorry that you were caught doing something that you weren't supposed to. We will get into that in a little while. But you may also remember the time when Peter came to Christ and asked how many times we were to forgive others. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And you can read the full story in Matthew 18, the parable Jesus gives is very powerful. It shows us how important it is not just to ask for forgiveness, but to give it to others as well. When we hang on to hurt and anger caused by someone else, it hurts ourselves. I mean, how can we expect to enter the kingdom of heaven still holding on to a chip in our shoulder? Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And Mark eleven twenty six says, But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. And Ephesians four thirty two says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Those verses are very clear that we have to not only ask for forgiveness, but to forgive others who are truly repentant and sorry. And even if nobody asks you to forgive them, you are still to forgive that person because forgiveness is for yourself. That holding on to that hurt and anger only hurts yourself. It pollutes your mind and makes you a very difficult person to deal with. It makes you bitter and angry and sad and all of these other feelings. And we need to examine our hearts as a preparation for coming before God in prayer that we may know what manner of spirit we are of. If we do not forgive those who have trespassed against us, our prayers for forgiveness will not be heard. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When as sinners we approach the mercy seat, we cannot express the sentiment of this petition without forgiveness in our hearts for all who have done us an injury. Upon this petition, Jesus makes a comment, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's from Signs of the Times, August 21, 1884. You get the idea. I mean, we need to forgive not only ourselves, but others as well. It's very important. And with that, I'm going to go back to give one more example of someone in the Bible who got forgiveness. We all know him, Paul. Before his conversion, his name was Saul. And he went around killing and capturing the saints to put them in prison. I mean, he literally had to be kicked off of his horse in the middle of the road and the Lord to appear before him before he realized the error of his ways. Talk about an intervention. Saul definitely got an intervention on the road to Damascus. <laughs> 
I mean, bright light shining, his horse rearing up, him falling onto the road, and he spent three days praying and fasting, repenting for his sins, and being blind in the process. He lost his sight from the vision that he got on the road. And then he was given his vision back from the Lord and was baptized. And he changed his name to Paul because he was a new man and he didn't want his old name to be associated with him anymore. And we all know after that everything that he did for the Lord. And it's an amazing story of conversion. You really need to read it for yourselves. And it starts in Acts chapter 9. In MS 144, 1897, it says... The apostle could never forget his conversion from a persecutor of all who believe on Christ to a believer in him. What a bearing this conversion had on all his afterlife. What an encouragement it was as he worked on the side of him whom he once ridiculed and despised. He could never forget the assurance conveyed to him in the first part of his ministry. He could speak intelligently because he had an experience, a personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a living, abiding faith, for he cultivated a sense of the presence of Christ in all his works. He received strength in prayer. And as a faithful soldier of Christ, he never looked to his captain for orders. No amount of obstacles piled up before him could cause him to regard the work as an impossibility, for he realized that all things are possible to them that believe. And then in MS 29-1900, it says, In every place where the Apostle Paul was called to go after his conversion, he gave a vivid presentation of the ministration of heavenly angels in his conversion. Paul really understood the gift that he was given with his conversion, and he wanted everybody else to understand that as well. He wanted his testimony to be heard. Your conversion story is a testimony, and it could reach other people to convert as well. Doesn't mean you have to go into all the nitty-gritty details of every sin you did beforehand. No, 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 no. You don't have to do that. But you can say a very basic story of the things that you did. You know, I used to do whatever it might be. And you don't have to go into any further details. You don't have to tell all your deep, dark secrets. But your conversion story is a powerful testimony on how the Lord rescued you from sin and how the Lord can rescue other people from sin as well. People want to know that they can be forgiven because they don't understand. They don't get it. Their hearts are empty. They think that there's nothing further for them out there. That's why you have people committing suicide. They don't know Jesus as their personal savior. They're given this false idea that there's nothing more out there for them. And we need to tell them different. I mean, Jesus gave us the parable of the prodigal son as a representation of forgiveness in Luke 15 verses 11 through 32. And that is where you can read the full parable in your own time and study it out. It's in depth. That parable was given to us for the reason to say that no matter how far you've gone in sin, it's not too late to come to the Father and ask for forgiveness and to come back and to come home. I mean, yes, one day it will be too late. So now is the time. Now is the day of repentance. Soon he will be leaving the most holy place and his interceding on our behalf will stop. So now is the day. Don't hold back for tomorrow for you don't know what tomorrow brings. Tomorrow you could get into an accident and die. Hopefully not that, you know, we never want that to happen, but we just don't know what tomorrow brings. Something horrible could happen and we don't want that, but that is the reality. We have to live like we're going to live for many years to come, yet 
act as each day is your last day on earth. The thief on the cross knew the importance of forgiveness. He didn't ask for forgiveness not only because he was scared to die, but he asked for forgiveness because he saw how Jesus was when everybody was railing against him and how he acted. He could see the expression on his face. You had two thieves that were side by side with Christ in the middle, and one thief saw his need of repentance and acted upon it, and the other joined with the crowd in condemning him. And, you know, it's best not to wait until we're about to die to ask for repentance. But sometimes it is what people need to truly see that need of conversion. But let's not wait until the last possible moment. The thief on the cross never knew of Jesus before that moment. So he acted upon it then and there. We have the ability to share with people. They need to hear this message so that they have the opportunity to repent before it is too late because that time is going to be soon upon us. We have no time to waste. In R.H. September 21, 1886, paragraph 12, it says, In the light of divine revelation, through the atoning sacrifice, we may see the glorious plan of redemption, whereby our sins are pardoned, and we draw near to the heart of infinite love. We see how God can retain all his justice, and yet pardon the transgressor of his law. And we are not simply forgiven, but we are accepted of God through the beloved. The plan of redemption is not merely a way of escape from the penalty of transgression, but through it the sinner is forgiven his sins, and will be finally received into heaven, not as a forgiven culprit pardoned and released from captivity, yet looked upon with suspicion and not admitted to friendship and trust, but welcomed as a child and taken back into fullest confidence. The sacrifice of our Savior has made ample provision for every repenting, believing soul. We are saved because God loves the purchase of the blood of Christ. And not only will he pardon the repentant sinner, not only will he permit him to enter heaven, but he, the Father of mercies, will wait at the very gates of heaven to welcome us, to give us an abundant entrance to the mansions of the blessed. Oh, what love! What wondrous love the Father has shown in the gift of his beloved Son for this fallen race. And this sacrifice is a channel for the outflow of his infinite love, that all who believe on Jesus Christ may, like the prodigal Son, receive full and free restoration to the favor of heaven. Have we not grand themes for thought and a solid foundation for our faith? What more can we ask of God than what he has already given us? Oh, the love, the infinite love of our blessed Lord to be our sacrifice. What joy should fill the heart of the Christian and what expressions of gratitude be heard from his lips? That through the blood of Jesus, it is possible for us to gain the love of God, to be one with him. If by living faith we accept this wonderful salvation, we shall never perish as guilty transgressors of God's holy, immutable law. Believing on the Son, we shall be obedient to all the Father's commandments and have life through Jesus Christ. R.H. September 21, 1886, paragraph 13. 
But many fail to act upon this faith, and therefore God is dishonored. They go about it as if under a weight of woe and condemnation, when they might have peace and comfort and hope and fullness of joy. If they would but bring Jesus into their life, they might receive the rich blessings in store for them. When we have such daily manifestations of God's love to us, why should we continually act as if suspicious of him? Rather, let us honor him by implicit belief in his word. That's from R.H. September 21, 1886, paragraph 14. Those are wonderful words of encouragement to every discouraged heart. And if you are feeling lost and discouraged and feel like there's no hope, read these quotes. Go and search the scriptures for the promises that he's given us. He gives us these promises. He gives us these words of encouragement so that we can go and look at them at any time and feel encouraged. Singing is also a very powerful tool that we can use against rebuking the devil. When we sing the hymns and praises and we sing from the Bible verses, the songs that we know, it repels the devil. He doesn't like hearing that heavenly music. So the next time you start feeling despondent. Praise the name of Jesus. Think of wonderful things. Thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. Start singing songs of praise, hymns, songs of encouragement. Just take out your hymnal, start singing. And here are some wonderful promises that you can claim if you're feeling despondent for the wrongs that you have done or just feeling like Satan is oppressing you. Claim the word of the Lord. It is powerful. Psalms 86.5 For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. In Colossians 1.14, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And Daniel 9.9, To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. So, all of those verses are saying the same thing. We have redemption. The Lord is merciful and just. Though we've rebelled and sinned, though we've had all of these done all of these horrible things, he is ready and able to forgive. There's more verses that say the same thing. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Psalms 103, 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all all thy diseases. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3 19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Micah 7.19 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And we all know how deep the ocean is. It's very deep. <laughs> 
All of these verses are the same, yet unique in their own sense and in their own way. And we are given the keys by which we can rein in our thoughts and we're supposed to think on things that are pure and honest and holy and lovely and of good report and virtue and, and praise to the Father. And these are the things to keep our mind filled so that temptation cannot find a way in. In CCH 56.5, it says, some seem to feel that they must be on probation and must prove to the Lord that they are reformed before they can claim his blessing. But these dear souls may claim the blessing even now. They must have his grace, the spirit of Christ to help their infirmities, or they cannot form a Christian character. Jesus loves to have us come to him, just as we are, sinful, helpless, dependent. Repentance as well as forgiveness is the gift of God through Christ. It is through the influence of the Holy Spirit that we are convicted of sin and feel our need of pardon. None but the contrite are forgiven, but it is the grace of God that makes the heart penitent. He is acquainted with all our weaknesses and infirmities, and he will help us. Darkness and discouragement will sometimes come upon the soul and threaten to overwhelm us, but we should not cast away our confidence. We must keep the eye fixed on Jesus, feeling or no feeling. We should seek to faithfully perform every known duty and then calmly rest in the promises of God. That's also page 56.4. And these next few quotes come from the same place, CCH, page 57. At times, a deep sense of our unworthiness will send a thrill of terror through the soul. But this is no evidence that God has changed toward us, or we toward God. No effort should be made to rein the mind up to a certain intensity of emotion. We may not feel today the peace and joy which we felt yesterday, but we should by faith grasp the hand of Christ and trust him as fully in the darkness as in the light. By faith, look upon the crowns laid up for those who shall overcome. Listen to the exalted song of the redeemed. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain and has redeemed us to God. Endeavor to regard these scenes as real. If we would permit our minds to dwell more upon Christ and the heavenly world, we should find a powerful stimulus and support in fighting the battles of the Lord. Pride and love of the world will lose their power as we contemplate the glories of that better land so soon to be our home. Besides the loveliness of Christ, all earthly attractions will seem of little worth. That is a beautiful thought. We must think of heavenly things. Imagine it as if it is real because it is real. And we won't want to be doing those evil, wicked things that we were once attracted to anymore. In R.H. April 1, 1890, paragraph 3, it says, The living oracles do not teach that the sinner must repent before he can heed the invitation of Christ. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Men must come to Christ because they see him as their savior, their only helper, that they may be enabled to repent. For if they could repent without coming to Christ, they could also be saved without Christ. It is the virtue that goes forth from Christ that leads to genuine repentance. Peter makes the matter clear in his statement to the Israelites when he says, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Repentance is as much the gift of Christ as is forgiveness. 
and it cannot be found in the heart where Jesus has not been at work. We can no more repent without the Spirit of Christ to awaken the conscience than we can be pardoned without Christ. Christ draws the sinner by the exhibition of his love upon the cross, and this softens the heart, impresses the mind, and inspires contrition and repentance in the soul. Those are very powerful words indeed. Repentance is as much a gift as is forgiveness. So forgiveness is a gift and so is repentance a gift. Forgiveness is so precious and so amazing that all we need to do is to come to Jesus and yes, sometimes wrestle as did Jacob with the angel. And you can read his story in Genesis 32 verses 22 through 32. He wrestled all night with that angel, coming to find out that it was Jesus himself that he was wrestling with. And he got the blessing that he wanted. Sometimes we need to wrestle as well and plead true repentance is not just realizing you need a savior it's also letting go of those things that you used to do you're not just sorry because you got caught and you put that sin away for a time being and then go back to it no you put that sin away with the Lord's help and then day by day, moment by moment, you have an experience with Jesus and you come to him and think of good things and you realize that we cannot do this alone. We need the Lord's help. And that's why we have to moment by moment go to the Lord and seek his help. I mean, Satan was sorry after he got kicked out of heaven, but not because he was truly sorry for what he did. No, it was because he realized the consequences of his actions. He realized that he was no longer in heaven, all that he had given up. He wasn't really sorry for what he did. He just missed the stuff that he lost. And that's not true repentance. In 4SP page 297.3 and page 298.1, it says this, the law of God is an agent in every genuine conversion. There can be no true repentance without conviction of sin. The scriptures declare that sin is the transgression of the law, 1 John 3, 4, and that by the law is the knowledge of sin, Romans 3:20. In order to see his guilt, the sinner must test his character by God's great standard of righteousness. To discover his defects, he must look into the mirror of the divine statutes. But while the law reveals his sin, Sins, it provides no remedy. The gospel of Christ alone can offer pardon. In order to stand forgiven, the sinner must exercise repentance toward God, whose law has been transgressed, and faith in Christ, his atoning sacrifice. Without true repentance, there can be no true conversion. Many are deceived here, and too often their entire experience proves to be a deception. This is why so many who are joined to the church have never been joined to Christ. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 8, 7. In the new birth, the heart is renewed by divine grace and brought into harmony with God as it is brought into subjection to his law. When this mighty change has taken place in the sinner, he has passed from death unto life, from sin unto holiness, from transgression and rebellion to obedience and loyalty. The old life of alienation from God has ended. The new life of reconciliation, of faith and love has begun. Then will the righteousness of the law be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Romans 8, 4. We must have that true repentance and forsaking all all of the things of our old lives, accepting the forgiveness of our sins and holding on to the promises of the Bible. 
we must rebuke the devil and quote Bible verses out loud when he tries to tell you that you're not good enough. That is a bold lie. He's the father of lies. He's the one who started this whole thing in the beginning. Of course, he's going to tell you you're not good enough because he doesn't want you to be saved. He's going to tell you that your sins are too much, that you cannot repent for the things that you have done. You know what? He told the angels that same lie when they were thinking of changing sides. The evil angels that now work with him, they wanted at one point in time to repent, but they were told a lie. Satan lied to them and told them that it was too late for them. No, the only person that it was too late to repent was himself because he didn't care. But he told them lies and filled their heads with saying that it was too late for them. So they never did it. And now they couldn't care less e either. After walking 6,000 plus years in darkness, they love it just as much as he does. They realized the consequences of their actions for following him the moment they were kicked out of heaven too. At one point in time, we're all going to be sorry for the things that we did if we don't repent. And there's going to come a time when it's going to be too late. And there's still time for repentance, like I said, but not for long. The door of probation is about to close. Remember the parable of the ten virgins. Now is the time. Don't put it off anymore. Like I said before, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Life is not guaranteed. And prayer is so powerful. We do not pray enough. And if necessary, the Lord would send every angel out of heaven to keep us out of sin's grasp and to keep us from temptation. Jesus is stronger than the devil. Always remember that. And I want to be truly repentant and accept the gift of forgiveness, don't you? I mean, read these verses as well. Isaiah 118, Psalms 103 verse 12, Hebrews 8 12. These are just some of the verses. You heard all of the verses that I quoted about forgiveness of sins. This is the whole reason why Jesus came down to this earth, to forgive us and to blot out the sin of the whole world. This is why he took that penalty on the cross. It was there at the very beginning before he even created earth. This plan was put in place in case Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we want the tree of life. We don't want the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Nobody needs the knowledge of evil. There are very evil people out there in the world. Everybody has heard the horror stories. But you know what? We don't need the knowledge of evil. That's the only thing Adam and Eve gained by eating from that tree. They gained the knowledge of evil. And I don't want that knowledge. I don't want to hear about the sick, horrible, wicked things that Satan has made people do because he's possessed them with his demons. And, and I want to live in a world where there is no sin, there is no wickedness, and there is peace and love and kindness. And Jesus, most importantly, where we can sit with him and talk with him face to face, walk with him. Just thinking about that is amazing. It is an awesome thought. And those are the thoughts that we need to have in our mind. Thoughts of good, not of evil. So remember what it says in the Bible that we are forgiven. We are good enough. And the next time the devil tells you that you are not good enough, that your sins are still in your life and that you're not truly forgiven, tell him, get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. For I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, whiter than snow. My sins are gone. I've been redeemed. Which brings me to that song. 
I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost, I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And that's not all. There's more besides. And that's not all. There's more besides. And that's not all. Oh, there's more besides I've been to the river and I've been baptized all my sins are washed away I've been redeemed I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb filled with the Holy Ghost I am all my sins are washed away I've been redeemed He's coming back to take me home. He's coming back to take me home. He's coming back to take me home. I'll shout hallelujah before his throne. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost, I am. All my sins are washed away, I've been redeemed. It's by God's grace that I've been saved. It's by God's grace that I've been saved. It's by God's grace that I've been saved. I have no fear on the judgment day. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed, and I still want to be redeemed. Don't you? Isn't salvation worth to give up everything for? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves. We have to be willing to make those sacrifices, because Jesus is worth it. The love of Jesus is worth it. And remember what it says in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. With that being said, let your light so shine that you are a star witness for the Lord.